0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. I'm Anthony Kastrowans. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to talk White Sox as we do each week with Scott Merkin, the fabulous Scott Merkin. Merk, how you been, buddy? I'm good. And, you know,
1: got hello, everybody. Uh, you, got, you got a little of the late-grade Mel Allen there, I think, when you, uh, <laughs> when you started
0: there. I don't know if it was intentional. The hello, everybody. Yeah, that, that was a good job on that. Low. Yeah, I came out of the, came fired out of the cannon this morning. Uh, all right, so Carlos Rodon, let's talk about him. He did not have uh, as good of a start uh, to this podcast as I just presented to you. He did not have as good of a start against the Angels on Monday night. Um, and it's interesting because there are some numbers floating around going into that start uh, without getting into the specific numbers because I don't have them in front of me. But he was getting a ton of swings outside the strike zone with a slider, and that just kind of spoke to what a weapon that pitch is and is becoming. Um, but then he had a really rough night. Couldn't get out of the first inning. Uh, what was said about that start, and uh, where did he go from there? Well, a couple things. I think what happened last
1: night was one of the examples of why I thought the Sox should have broke camp with a long reliever. Now, granted, you know, Patriska and Putnam and Jennings and then Duke through the ninths you know, absorbed the innings and did a great job. I mean, they recorded, what, 26 of the 27 outs needed last night. But, you know, you have a guy like John Banks who does give you innings but is off to kind of a slowish start in the first two. And Matt Leto's has been phenomenal in his first two starts. But, you know, again, he was kind of a question mark coming in. So the Sox took a chance. You know, I, I expect that to be the blip on the radar for Rodon. I don't. You know, there's going to be other starts where he probably gives up five runs over six innings, but I don't think you're going to see maybe ever again – a start like that, where he gets one guy out, I'm pretty confident in saying that. And I think what happened last night is he just didn't have his control. He didn't have location, and he was getting behind guys, and then coming with the fastball, and they were sitting on it and weren't chasing that slider out of the zone. And it ends up with you know a single, a strikeout, and then two walks and five straight hits, and he's done it 41 pitches and only 22 for strikes. I give Carlos credit, and it speaks to his maturity. You know, he was out of there, not to laugh about it, but he's out of there about 7:30. It was a 25-minute top of the first inning. Like 740, maybe in that case. And he was there waiting for his post game, and he said, Hey, you know, it was a bad game. He's going to forget about it, and move on to the next one. And, you know, he's a young pitcher. It, it happens to great pitchers. Chris Sale is arguably one of the, you know, top five starters in the game, and he got knocked around a couple times last year by, by the Twins. That comes up top of my head, that comes to mind. So, again, just a rough night for a young pitcher, and I'm sure he'll get back at it today and be ready for the next time out.
0: It's almost as like if the Angels were reading the same numbers we were and saying, we're not going to do that. We're not going to chase that pitch like everyone else is doing. So
1: uh, Yeah, and, you know, uh, you know Eaton, Adam Eaton had a good comment game. He said – Adam had a lot of, prover- a lot of baseball proverbs post game last night. He said that, you know – I'm paraphrasing. I think he said something. Base- baseball has two kind of people, either those who are humble or those who are about to be humbled. And he said that he kind of laughed with Rodan that he was going too strong for too long a period. He had, he had a stretch of ten straight quality starts going into last night dating back to last year. Within a ERA like 1.73 during that stretch, and he was six and three. So maybe, in all honesty, you know, he had a couple times where he got knocked around a little in train. Maybe this was just one that was due. I'm sure the Sox would have liked it to be due with, you know, he was gonna have a rough night, four or five innings. What one third of an inning actually had ripple effects because J.B. shot was optioned to Charlotte after the game, and they'll be calling up a pitcher before the game today. But you know, that's gonna happen with a 23 year old pitcher, no matter how talented and how great his slider is, and how much he's improved with fastball command and his changeup. It's gonna happen once in a while.
0: Absolutely. Uh this week we saw Carlos Rodan at his worst and we might have seen Chris Sale at his best uh last Friday night against the Rays. A two hit, nine strikeout shutout. Uh certainly one of the strongest starts of his career statistically, but uh your, your Cy Young pick's looking pretty good so far, Murphy. Yeah, you know, I, I
1: I was off this weekend and that's one start when I'm off when when Chris Sale's on the mound, I always, you know, if I miss the first few innings and I'm doing something or I'm, I'll always check along the way to see if he's giving up that hit. As you know, in my career, I was, I've been off for Mark Burley's perfect game. I've been off for Phil Umber's perfect game somehow. I was there for Burley's no-hitter, which, by the way, uh, on April 18th was the, uh, was the ninth anniversary of his no-hitter against Texas, also the 25th anniversary of the opening of New Comiskey. But I digress in that. I mean, I really believe, and I don't know if you agree, I mean, Sale has no-hit stuff every time he goes to the mound. So you know, and the thing about him wanting to get early contact and less pitches, I always, I, I kind of disagreed. With all due respect to Don Cooper, I don't think the pitch counts ever got to 130, 140. They're they're too careful with all their pitchers. Let that happen, and he throws too many strikes. You know, and his strikes are too good. That you know, sure, early contact helps. Maybe he'll throw a complete game in 90 pitches and strike out six or seven. But even when he's striking out 9, 10, 11, 12 guys, you don't see the pitch count go in the 130 or 140 range because he doesn't walk anyone. He's, in a, he's an exceptional hurler. And you think about, you know, with the draft coming up in a couple of months and the Sox having three picks in the top 49, I believe it is. Just think what would happen if Chris Sale didn't fall to them in 2010. I mean, this team would look uh, quite a bit different, I think, right now if he, if he wasn't the 13th pick overall in that draft. You're not
0: kidding, man. You're not kidding. Um, I know one place they would like to look different is offensively. Uh, so yes. far, it's been a continuation of last year. Uh, they go into the week, uh, or I'm sorry, they go into this podcast with a 591 OPS as a team, five guys batting below 220. Um, it, it's, a, it's early, of course, smirk, and we don't like to read big things into small samples. But, again, just because of, you know, offense being the, the huge holdup, in 2015, it obviously catches your attention. Well, you're exactly
1: right. That, that's probably why you do what you do, Anthony, because, right again, you're right on the money with that. I mean, if, uh, if if they didn't have the slump, the offensive the really dismal offensive showing they had last year, people would probably just be like, well, we're, they're 8-5. You know, it's off to a slow start. It'll pick up. And, and I really do think it's going to pick up. This is a different group than what they had last year. And guys are just starting off slowly. You know, I mean, just an example, and I know, Teams don't like to be compared across town in Chicago. But, you know, some of the Cubs guys aren't hitting great either, and I expect them to hit at some point. So I think it's just an early start, but people get a little up in arms over that. I, I talked to a brave yesterday, and, you know, he, Jose, while having a working understanding, I think, of English now, still does his interviews, understandably so, through, you know, an interpreter. But even without the interpreter, I could just read his facial expressions that he was kind of like, I knew this question was coming. We're going to be fine. You know, I, I don't feel in great rhythm right now, but I'll get there. And I, I think he believes that. Now, again, I know people don't want to hear that. They want to see three for four. They want to see a 12 hit game. They want to see a seven-run game. That's six runs in 11 games, or 11 runs in six games. I'm sorry. They, uh, you know, they don't want to hear excuses. But, yeah, to quote the late Ted McGraw, you got to believe. You can't go out there and say, well, oh, yeah, you know, I think this offense is really in trouble. We're, we're done after 13 games. You know, we'll be lucky to score five runs in the game. Of course they believe they're going to be better. And I think they will. I think they made the right additions in this lineup. You know, I'm not saying they're going to go out and average 10 runs a game, but you're not, but I think this drought is going to come to an end. Now, you know, they do have tougher competition coming up by preseason predictions and what teams have done so far, but I still think this lineup is good enough to hit pretty much any kind of pitching.
0: Well, we'll see. Do you think, uh, I think Todd Frazier's pressing uh, new club. Uh, he had he had a rough second half last year, so some carryover for him as well. But uh, obviously, he was a key acquisition, and uh, you know it would be understandable if there is uh, some pressure to please the populace.
1: I think he could be pressing a little bit. I mean, the good thing, you know, the the cup half full thing for the White Sox is, although they at the time of this podcast they've lost three in a row and had a really you know bad loss against the Angels to open the homestand. They're still 8-5. You know, it's not like they're 2-11, and and two and 11. I just do quick math there, um, you know, and really struggling just to win a game. They have won. So, you know, you can look at it and say, well, you know, they've won eight games without hitting. Or you can say, well, they're not going to win many games if they don't hit. You know, they, they they were lucky to get this far. The pitching has carried them. If the pitching has such a th- small room for error, thin line for error, it's going to turn around quick. I, I, so I don't think he's pressing that much because of the fact the team is winning. And he's also done a real nice job defensively, which is one which is one of the things that I think gets a little overlooked about him is that, you know, he's a pretty complete player. He helped them win that last game in Minnesota with a couple heads-up, solid defensive plays. But, yeah, I think offensively, you know, once it started going south a little bit, you know, past like the first three or four games, maybe he tried to get tried to get four hits and one at bat. And, you know, just has got to kind of settle down. He said he's been chasing pitches out of the zone too much and just kind of relax and, and settle in. And, and you know, as, as I said, the good thing is he knows the team is doing well, even if he is not producing like he wants at the play.
0: So, Merck, uh, I was under the impression that uh, Adam LaRoche, when he released his statement uh, in spring training, he was going to go quietly into that good night. Not the case. Uh, since we last spoke, he had the ESPN, the magazine story. He's been on Good Morning America. Uh, as you joked before we uh, went live here, he, this, this podcast might be the only media he doesn't do uh, when all <laughs> is said and done. Um, what do you think, and what, what, maybe what the White Sox think about uh, about some of his revelations uh, since uh, you know since the season started?
1: Yeah, I think he has every right to to speak his mind and uh, you know explain his story. I, I think the story seemed to be pretty well explained, and I think. You know, the players that were up in arms and the team in general have moved on past that. I'm sure the players miss Adam Monroe. She was, a you know, a quiet leader in that clubhouse and a good guy by us, a great guy to deal with overall. Sounds like he's been doing some things with far deeper impact than baseball. And if he wants somebody, he has every right to. But I think, you know, to, to the Sox credit, Rick Hahn was asked in Minnesota last week by the group of us that were there after the ESPN the Magazine article came out, and I think he's doing another show this afternoon Uh About the topic, he said, hey, you know, that's, you know, I don't even think he said anything indirectly about him. I think he just said, or directly about him, he just said, we moved on from that, and that's the stance we're going to take. And, you know, he apparently has moved on from it, too, and we're focused on trying to win this division. And that's what it should be. You know, he has left. He is on to other pursuits, and, you know, that's great for him with his family and everything else. And the Sox are on to other pursuits, too. And now also, you know, by his move, have some money to work with, assuming they stay in contention, come, late May, June, July, trade deadline, whatever it's going to be.
0: All righty, then. Well, Mark, if you ever need a week off, maybe we'll reach out to uh, – maybe we'll have Drake LaRoche, a special guest <laughs> analyst on the White Sox podcast from Point to That would be but kind of
1: interesting, actually. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, he probably knows as much baseball as anyone out there because <laughs> he, he was entrenched in that team. That was, you know, one thing not to be lost, and we've said that over and over again. And I, I watched his interview on Good Morning America, and he did say – when he walked away he wanted to make sure that his son understood that he was not the reason behind this and mm. you know, one thing that should not be lost is you know, this this is a good kid, still is a good kid, worked with the organization, it was not just sitting there, you know, yelling for clubbies to get him things or yell you know, yelling at people in their way. He was a real well behaved kid and you know, Adam LaRoche made his decision, you respect that and the Sox have moved on and you respect that too. But maybe Drake will sit in one week if if you can get him.
0: Yeah, we might have to do that. And I hope you learned something from Drake LaRoche uh, there, Mr. Merck. I hope you learned how to be uh, respectful in the clubhouse and you know, <laughs> draw attention to yourself. So. I, I'm, I'm too uh, many
1: complaining about the wireless to, 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 to complain to anyone else. Yeah.
0: All right. Scott Merck is all over it. for so com. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition.